0: We also would love to connect with you on our social media on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today
1: and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, so great to see you again. Want to say welcome to all of our extended family, all those watching for the first time. Welcome, welcome to our Sunday experience. We're so excited that you're with us. If you've been tracking with us uh, in the la- this last season, this crazy wild season, you know that we've been in the, in, the, in the series called Revive 2020, where we've been having conversations. All of our messages have been crafted around this idea that God wants to revive specific areas of our life in this season. And what better season to do some heart work, which often feels like hard work, than a season when we're, we've are we been on a lockdown or feel like life has not been normal. And so my prayer for you today that are watching that you're gonna have a revived heart in the area that we are discussing. And today I have the amazing privilege I'm having a conversation with one of my favorite worship leaders, Matt Gilman. Matt Gilman, what's up? What's up, man? I'm so happy to be here. Man, that's quite a compliment. So I appreciate that, man. You are, man. You are. You you kill it, man. I remember uh, I had never seen you live until I think I saw you in Brazil. Uh, I think two times ago. I can't remember. Which, yeah, it was at the Dunamis conference. And, and, and you even led in Portuguese, man. It was like off the chain, man. It was crazy. No, I love, I
0: love leading in Brazil. The people are so passionate down there. I love the people. I love the language. I love the food. So it's, (laughs) it's a, it's an amazing time always.
1: Yes to all of that, man. Yeah. So I, Hey, and just getting to know you, man, a little bit, I just love your heart. I just appreciate who you are, um, you know, just, just not even just watching you lead worship, but just having some conversations with you here and there. Um, you're just an amazing individual. Of course, you know, you're all over YouTube and your music's incredible. And, and if you haven't heard of Matt Gilman, I would encourage you to to search his music out on, I, on, on iTunes or on any of the platforms, Spotify, download his stuff, man, his music is incredible absolutely incredible. And one of the comments that I I hear a lot about you is your, your vocal range is off the charts. Even I saw a post today where somebody was posting about your vocal range and it's true, man. Like when you hit that level, it's like, what, what just happened? Like, who is this guy? (laughs) No, I just scream on pitch.
0: (laughs) You scream on pitch. Yeah. Scream on pitch. Sometimes I get carried away and I just, you know, I can't help, but just, Yeah, I get I get passionate in the moment and so I hit notes sometimes I didn't even realize I could and uh, (laughs) but it's it's fun man just I love those spontaneous moments in the spirit where you know anything can happen so
1: that's awesome man that's awesome well I'm excited for today's conversation before uh, we dive in just want to give a little bit of a caveat to the fact that you know you have two kids you have twins yes Caden and Isaac two boys And you're married to a wonderful wife named Kelly. You're based out of Orlando, Florida. Have you always been in Florida? No, I'm originally from the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. Um, And then
0: moved around. My dad uh, is a pastor. And so we moved around quite a bit um, in my childhood, but ended up in Kansas City. I'll talk about that for a little bit. Ended up in Kansas City at the House of Prayer and then moved down to Orlando about seven years ago.
1: Right, right, and I remember that now because I lived in the Twin. I, I lived in Brooklyn Park near Fridley in Minnesota. Yes. And I remember we had that conversation. It was like right in that same area. I think I even knew, or at least knew, sort of the vicinity of where you were. What church yeah, I led worship right? at Brooklyn Park Lutheran Church. Yeah, that's crazy. I lived <laughs> crazy. in Brooklyn Park, man. I lived there. That's it's wrong. so crazy. Small world, small world. But you've been leading worship over 20 years. You've been over 25 different nations. Um, you know, you've been, you were at the, on the senior leadership staff at IHOP, which we'll talk about for those of you that do not know the Kansas city IHOP international house of prayer based out of, of course, Kansas city, you were on the leadership staff there for 10 years. And, um, yeah, you, you, you're just, you, you swam from my perspective in a lot of different circles and you seem like even your origin story, like you just seem like a really solid, uh, individual man I know that I'm not saying that people that have only swam in one sort of let's call it spiritual stream isn't solid but just having conversation with you it seems like you've had a very wide variety of of pools that you've dipped your feet in over the years and I appreciate that about anybody when someone's well versed, And, uh, balanced in their perspective of the beauty of the body of Christ and how we we, not one camp has it all. And so it seems like you've, you've walked in that you've carried that. And like I said, I had another conversation, uh, this month actually with Zoe Lilly from Brazil and, uh, you know, she, she's down there with Zion church and dunamis and all the great things that are happening in Brazil. And uh, one of the things I said about her was that I can feel when she leads worship, she has sculpted uh, a solid private life with the Lord of friendship, prayer, and worship. And I feel the same for you, man. I can tell when someone gets on the platform and they're just performing. I mean, I'm a musician. As a musician myself, I can tell the difference between performance and, like, real worship. And you carry that, man. And you clearly have carved out... In through through tragedy, through trial, through challenges in your life, you have developed such a solid relationship with the Lord, and it's it shows itself in your in your music and how you lead. And so I appreciate that about you. And so today's conversation, and I don't want to take too much more time. Today's conversation, our our subject and our title is Revive Prayer and Worship. Strengthening our relationship with God. Now, I just want to read one scripture and I'm going to let you take it. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1. I think a lot of people think that worship is just, you know, singing on Sunday or singing to our favorite worship Hillsong album or whatever the case may be. But worship really is a lifestyle. It's an expression of every area of our life surrendered. It's an attitude of the heart that says everything I have is yours, God. And so Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 out of the New Living Translation, it says it like this. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Because really worship... Even when we worship God in a song, it's a sacrifice. We're offering God something. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like thanking God. I don't feel like praying. Prayer and worship feel like, because they are, a sacrifice the majority of the time. It says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. And he closes it with this. This is truly the way to worship him. So, you know, at the core... At the core of what we're talking about, even though we're talking about prayer and, you know, worship and and I believe music as as far as how we express worship, even though that's our subject, just as a baseline, we want to get it out there that we believe worship really is every aspect of our life offered to God as a sacrifice every day, period. Um, But I I want to dive into your story. I want to dive into, you know... where you've been, how you got to where you are today. I want you to share some of your encounters. Uh, just bring us into a little bit of your journey, you know, going from the church that you were a part of in in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, uh, all the way to Kansas City, and then where you are now. And talk about your heart for what you want to see happen in the body of Christ today when it comes to reviving our heart for prayer and worship and how they connect together, because they're connected, right? So yes. bring, bring, bring us into your journey a little bit. Yeah, well, I just want to hit on
0: something you said too about bringing the sacrifice um, in worship. There are so many times, and I'll, I'll dive into this more in just a minute. But you know, at the House of Prayer in Kansas City, that I was a part of. You know, I led worship um, at least six times a week for two hours at a time. There were so many times that I I walked on that platform and did not feel anything i didn't want to be there i was having a bad day i had a bad attitude i was angry at this person this person like you know i walked on stage and i was forced because it was my job i was forced to leave worship and bring myself into that place and to lead others into that place and so and in the midst of all of those things you know i think we need to get out of our minds that worship is only worth it if we feel like it yeah yeah and god showed uh, god showed me in that season he 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 told me he goes my worth is not dependent on how good your day is going like the worth of jesus the majesty of jesus the beauty and the glory of jesus is constant regardless of our circumstance and so if you know and you know i've been through a lot of difficult seasons i went through a divorce a few years ago and i and i just you know even walking through that I didn't feel like worshiping. I was angry at God sometimes. And and I think it's okay for us to even worship from that place of honesty and go, "God, I don't feel like this. I don't I don't like the way you're leading me right now." But you read through the book of Psalms and David was not happy with God quite a bit and he was real honest about it. But I think we find the Lord in those in those honest moments when we're going through pain or we're going through difficult circumstances and we just go, "God, I don't like this." but I know who you are and I know that you're beautiful and I know that you're worthy of my song. You're worthy of my adoration, whether I feel it or not. And so um, I just, yeah, wanted to jump on that um, from the Romans 12 uh, verse that you quoted because a lot of worship, a lot of praise, you know, bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. It's, it's a real sacrifice at times and and I love the moments where we do feel it and we all come together and it's joyful with dancing and fist bumping and screaming and all that like I love those moments too, but I think there's something really special about worshiping Jesus in fire and and I think you know he forges something in a in our spirits when we actually say yes to him when we don't feel like it and I think it moves his heart even more in those moments but so
1: really if I can just say one thing really when you were So for those of you that don't know, like the IHOP that you're talking about is the Kansas City International House of Prayer. That's a 24 hour a day house of worship and prayer, like worship and prayer are always happening 24 hours a day. And you were a part of that cycle. Um, And you said two hours a day, six days a week, that's 12 hours a week. And you know... I can't imagine. I mean, when it's your job, like it's one thing to worship God when it's not your job. But then to have to do something because you've committed to it, that's when real sacrifice comes in. And it's kind of like, like I don't have to have a relationship with God. I get to. I've committed myself. It's kind of like with my wife. I don't have to have a relationship with my wife. I have committed. I made the decision to. And so, and because I made the decision to every day, just like with our relationship with God, there is sacrifice involved to, I don't want to say keep or maintain, but it's kind of the word maintain or keep that commitment strong. And the majority of it feels like sacrifice. And that's kind of what you described. So now that you have to, you're in this 10 year window of 12 hours a week and plus traveling and and leading conferences. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. When When it becomes your job, I think there's a, there's a shift that happens where you, you, you have to make more conscious decisions to live in that place of sacrifice. Would you, would you agree?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. He didn't say, try to avoid the trouble, or maybe if you're lucky, you won't. He said, in the world, you will have trouble. And I think it's how we re- how we choose to respond because everything that we do is a choice. How we choose to respond in the midst of crisis, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of being mistreated, in the midst of, you know, whatever comes our way. It's how we choose to respond to him and to other people. You know, I think that's where the, the intimacy with him is really found. And when you're, when you're in the midst of a fire or you're, when you're in the midst of a wilderness, the Lord's been speaking to you so much um, about the wilderness season. I, I think of, you know, the Israelites in the wilderness between captivity and the promised land. And I was just like, man, God, 40 years. I mean, I read the study that they, if they walked a straight line from Egypt to the promised land, they could have gotten there in 11 days. Like, God kept them, led them in circles, in winding circles for 40 years. And I'm just like, Lord, what is this all about? And you read their response in the midst of it. They're, they're like, you delivered us from Egypt to bring us out here to die. And in the midst of all of the, the provision that God, you know, the, the cloud by day, the fire by night, the quail, the manna, the water from the rock. The parting the Red Sea, their clothes never wore out, no one got sick. They plundered the Egyptians' riches, they had wealth and, and, and riches and all of these things. And they're out here in the middle of the wilderness complaining, and it, because the circumstances aren't what they want it to be. And it wasn't, I, I mean, I think the Lord could have brought them way sooner, but it was something about. He wanted to develop something in them, a a dependency on him. And that's, you know, I asked the Lord, like, God, why aren't you showing me the the fulfillment? Why aren't you bringing me into the fulfillment of the process right now? Or why aren't you at least giving me a couple steps ahead of time? And he goes, if I told you the whole plan, then you would lose your dependency on me. Wow. Because it's, it's, if we have it all figured out in, in and of ourselves, we have no reason to pray. We have no reason to worship because we've got the plan unfolded in front of us. And I think the Lord is so strategic and he's so wise in how he leads us. And he'll only give us a little bit at a time so that we can take that step and then go, okay, God, what's next? And keep our attention on him through the whole process.
1: That's great. So let let me just camp there for a second, because I I think I want to continue this thought and I want you to extrapolate a little more on that, but let's just go back to like, who is, Matt for a second and your journey going from your, your role in more of a, cons- can I call it conservative type church in Brooklyn park? I'm assuming. Yeah. To, you said Lutheran, right? Yeah. My dad's a Lutheran pastor. Right. So a little more of a concern. If you compare that to like Kansas city IHOP. Um, yeah. So how did you go? So talk about your journey, like, cause uh, like, how did you become a worship leader? How did you find that, that space um, did you just always have it? Did you hit a certain age where all of a sudden you just realized you could sing? Like, what was your journey? And then how did you get to IHOP? Because that was a big sculpting journey for you. And then how did you, from there, why why 10 years? And how did you get to where you are today? And then dive into some of the stuff that you were mentioning to me earlier about what God's been showing you in Psalm 8 and Revelation 5. And I'd love to just, yeah. let's go there.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so as I said, my dad um, is a Lutheran pastor, still is to this day. He's been my pastor my whole life um he graduated seminary the year that i was born in 85 and um i was born in downtown minneapolis i'm a diehard minnesota twins fan let's go baby um uh but <laughs> sorry i have to bring that in. um <laughs> uh so anyway so i moved around quite a bit um grew up it was church was obviously very conservative um I went through the confirmation classes, went through the catechism, all of those things growing up, which I'm so thankful for. And I think that's part of what you mentioned earlier. I, I feel like there's a grounding in my spirit because of just the theological indoctrination that I had to go through in those classes. I didn't really enjoy them at the time. I didn't really enjoy singing hymns at the time. Now I can sing hymns all day. But uh, I think there there was a a grounding in my spirit through those years, those were really formative for me. And so when I I match all of that doctrine with now I meet the Holy Spirit and it, it just like it's a combustion. And so um so I grew up in that conservative atmosphere. Found out at the age of 14 um that my parents are closet charismatics and um <laughs> Get introduced to the Holy Spirit, get baptized in the Holy Spirit when I'm 14 years old. Um, Rewind a little bit. I've always been really musical. And so there are videos of me and tape recording, cassette tape recordings of me when I was real little, you know, just pounding on the piano, singing Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer at the top of my lungs. You know, just music was always just in me. I took 10 years of classical piano training um, from age 8 to 18. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would sing like I would sing myself to sleep every night. I shared a wall adjacent with my sister, um, and she would be pounding on the wall every single night because she couldn't handle the noise. But I would just sing myself to sleep every night. Sometimes just despite her, and then other times because that's you know that <laughs> was brother. Singing. Totally, totally, I have to. Um, and so music was just always in me. But when I when um, I was fourteen years old, um, I get introduced to the Holy Spirit. And there was this group, it was called Lutheran Renewal. I don't know, are you familiar with North Heights Church in uh, in, in, in Minneapolis? They had this conference. conference. They had this conference every year. It's called the Holy Spirit Conference. It was a Lutheran church. And um, they, it was called, Luther, the organization was called Lutheran Renewal. And they sent a team of people, probably five or six people, to our small church. We were living in South Dakota at the time. To a small church in South Dakota. And... Um, we had about maybe 70, 80 people in our congregation. I lived in a town of about 2,500 people. Um, they come for a weekend and just completely flip our world upside down. Wow. Um, they, you know, they start, you know, they they were real strategic in how they did it. They come in, they start singing the hymns, and then all of a sudden they'll start bringing in some of these more modern worship songs. And then what really irked people, some people, was when they just kind of waited and then you just kind of hear this rumbling and singing in tongues and singing in the spirit and it was just like, what on earth? And I remember people were watching and they were fearful, like, what is happening? And I just, I remember going, I've never seen this before, but this is, you know, this is Acts 2. I've, I've read this in Acts 2. Like, I learned about this. I've just never experienced it before. And I remember just being fascinated. And how, and how old were you when
1: this was happening? How old 14. Were you? I was okay. 14 years
0: old. OK. Um, and so while others were angry or fearful or what was going on, I just I remember just kind of standing back in the corner and being fascinated at what was actually happening before my eyes. Because I knew it was in the Bible. I just never experienced it before. And so my world just gets turned upside down. The, the worship leader who was there um, at the end of the event comes up to me, hands me a CD. It's a Matt Redmond CD called Better is One Day. And he goes, hey, take a listen to this. And, and that CD just wrecked my life. And he goes, just take a listen to this. Here's my email address. Like, shoot me your thoughts. So I remember going home later that day. And um, I put the CD in my little stereo in my bedroom. And just from the first swell, of the first musical note that came in on the album, I just remember, like, something hit me. I, know it was, I didn't know what it was at the time. But it was just, like, this feeling. It felt like I was... And a warm blanket <laughs> and I just wow. started weeping wow. and I never experienced this before and I'm like why am I crying so much and this is weird but it feels good and <laughs> and I just I remember I just found this sense of belonging and I didn't know what it was or what was going on but over time I just I I I I craved this feeling. I remember going to school during the day and I would sit at my desk and I couldn't wait to just get home and turn on that music and sit in my bedroom and cry. Wow. Um, You know, and so long story short, our piano player at the church left. I'm the only one left in the church who plays piano. So my dad asked me to step in and start playing some of the hymns on Sunday morning. And eventually he let me start introducing some of these newer songs. I didn't even realize that I was worship reading at the time. I was just like, hey, can you like start incorporating more of these more, like, better is one day. All of these other newer songs that were coming out at the time. And that's just kind of how I got, I accidentally started worship reading at my dad's Lutheran church when I was 14 years old. Wow. And the church, you know, we lost a lot of people when that whole, uh, when the spirit came (laughs) because people just didn't know what to do with it. Um, But over time, the church doubled in size from what it originally was because there was just this, you know, when God puts a magnet in your back pocket, people show up and, uh, and the magnet being his presence. And so anyways, I, I keep in touch with um, this worship leader who gave me that music and uh, I get a random email from him. And he goes, hey, there's this place down in Kansas City. There's a conference in, I think it was October, probably 2002. Wow. <laughs> uh, October 2002. He goes, there's a, there's a conference I want to take you to. Um, no, this was probably before 2002, probably 2000. Um, and he goes, I just really feel from the Lord I need to take you there. Wow. Um, and so he goes, can you get, you know, some day, a couple of days off school get your work done in advance and let's go down to kansas city and i remember walking in to this conference in downtown kansas city <coughs> excuse me uh, and he and i walked into the building and i felt just like someone hit me in the chest like a brick wall like i wow. walked into a wall wow and it was just like oh my goodness what is this there was a sound coming from the stage and there was this you know something I'd never heard before it was more than just contemporary worship music. it was this new sound that I'd never heard before and I felt the Lord saying you're home wow and uh and so I spent you know I was freshman sophomore in high school at the time I'm like, I can't, this can't be home. I live with my parents, <laughs> but, but so anyway, so I get uh, acquainted more and more. I go to more and more of these events down in Kansas City, just because I get addicted to the teaching. I get addicted to the worship, to what's going on. Um, and as I went down more and more, some of the leadership from um, the House of Prayer noticed me returning more and more. I would go down probably, you know, every, at least once every other month. Wow. And so... And uh, so the leadership there started realizing that I was becoming a regular. And they're like, you know what, like, you're a young dude, why don't you come here and just like immerse yourself in this culture for six months. And like, just give give a season of your life to the Lord for six months. So, you know, I went to more conferences throughout the rest of my high school. I graduated in 2003. And I said, okay, I'm gonna come down to Kansas City. I'm gonna um, do this internship for six months. And um, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, no idea. All I knew of IHOP, the House of Prayer, was their conference ministry. It was morning, afternoon, evening session, uh, 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 amazing worship. I had no idea that it was 24-7 worship. Oh wow. <laughs> I have no clue. A little bit of a big detail to oh, me a huge one. A huge <laughs> detail. And so and so I walk in for my first day of his orientation. I paid, you know, X amount of dollars to be there. I moved my whole life down to Kansas City. And you know, my ambition was to, you know, I loved Jason Upton back in the day. And just like
1: legend, like, man. Legend. To Tornado, you gotta go. Tornado! You gotta go. That was like the mind blowing. Yeah, love it. Cause he's from Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. I know. I know. Yeah, I've gotten
0: to like interact with him a little bit over the last couple of years. But uh, but yeah, he and I were big Vikings twins fans. You know, together. So we text each other in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> but um, it's so funny you said because just I was talking with my wife this morning and she was like, because there was a hurricane coming for Florida. <laughs> and she's like tornado <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you come to the water <laughs> yes. when you. Come, <laughs> but i know that so well i know that cd so well oh man so <laughs> but, uh so anyways my
0: ambition in coming down to kansas city i was going to get trained as a worship leader i was going to you know grow in my worship leading abilities i was going to put out a sick album and become the next big thing in christian music that was my ambition and so I get down there and they're like, okay, orientation day, welcome to Kansas city. This is your next six months. You're going to have music training. You're going to get training as a worship leader from a lot of our, you know, worship leaders on staff here. Um, And then also you're going to be spending about 35 hours a week in a prayer room. And so I was like, (laughs) I I actually, I actually feel like an idiot now that I did this, but like I raised my hand in the orientation meeting and I go, so I'm down with the worship thing. Like, that's why i'm here what's this prayer
1: room you're talking about and then, so so wait 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 wait. So, question like on the internship form wasn't there like a description of what you're going to do for- I, there probably was there probably was and i was just so excited
0: like i was graduated high school i was a punk 18 year old kid i you
1: know was first time on my own i was just excited to go anywhere. god to see this thing god knew he had to blind the young lutheran boy from the reality that he was about to face. <laughs> 100%. Because honestly, bro, like, I, if
0: I had known it was 24-7 prayer, there's no way I would have paid for it. There is no way I would have paid to relocate my entire life to sit in a prayer room for 35 hours a week. No way, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever would have done that. <laughs> because prayer was so boring. Prayer was so boring to me. And, like, I remember, like, I love worship and I loved, you know, like the feeling of the Holy Spirit and that was, you know, the Lord was wooing me in that season, but I just remember like when it came to prayer, my my encounter with prayer was that, you know, in a Lutheran bulletin and everything was written down and canned. And so and then I had my prayer list that I would go through every morning or every night before bed, God bless grandma, Grandpa, God bless my sisters, maybe if I feel, you know if you want to help me get an A on the test and help me get a, a cute girlfriend.
1: But but only if you want to, God, only if you want to, like only if if you're willing, if it's your will, God, only if you want to. (laughs) Totally, (laughs)
0: totally. And so they, they tell me I'm gonna be 35 hours a week in a prayer room. And it was just like, I could hear the music in my head. Dun, dun, dun. Like nothing sounded worse to me than sitting in a prayer room for that long. And I was like, I get through my prayer list in about three minutes every night what on earth am I going to do for, you know, 24 hours and 57 minutes for the rest of the time? Like nothing sounded more boring. And so I actually, you know, so I walked down to the prayer room later that day. I, and I'm angry. I'm angry. Like, I'm like, there's no way I can't do this. Like this. I'm not one of these people. This is like for the like crazy, spiritual, hyper charismatic, like weirdos who like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, I'm not, I'm not this guy, I can't do this. And uh, so I'm literally on my way to the business office at the house of prayer to go get my money back, load up my car and move out day one. And, <laughs> and so I'm like in a fit of rage, 18 years old, marching to the business office. Like I've got this huge chip on my shoulder and I feel like, You know, there are those moments in my life where I just remember I didn't hear anything audibly, but the Lord just like put his fist down and was like, stop. Like, and I was just, so I remember I literally stopped in the middle of the sidewalk and I looked up at heaven and I almost, I think I shook my fist. And I was just like, what, (laughs) what could you possibly have for me here? And he's just like, I have you right where I want you. And so I said, okay, God, I'll give you six months. Six months, I'm gonna be bored out of my mind, but whatever, I'll give you six months. And so I wish I had this amazing romantic moment where I walked into the prayer room for the first time and it all made sense and it was glory and beauty and unicorns and fairies and all of that. But it was just like, I literally sat in the prayer room for the first two months of the internship, angry and bored. And I had no idea, first two months. Wow that's a lot of hours. (laughs) And so, and, uh, you know, I I love the teaching and every now and then there were moments in the worship time, um, that were really engaging and it was great. But then like the the vast majority of the time, like we talked about earlier, like a lot of time I didn't feel it, didn't feel like it, didn't want to be there. Like had to check in every time, but it was reluctant most of the time. And it was just, it was, I didn't enjoy it until there was one night I had, um, the first of three encounters that I'm going to share with you guys um, I had a month long season where there's just an open heaven over my life and the Lord radically encountered me changed my life and um, just yeah so I, I want to share that one of the, the first encounters that I had in Kansas City I remember it was a Thursday night and there, we had our own separate from the main prayer room. Our internship was being trained in you know, how the model of worship that they do. And so we had our own separate intercession meeting about 70 of us. And so we were in this tiny little basement of this tiny little house that IHOP owned like a mile down the road. And um, I had set in my heart, because there's a certain like culture at IHOP that was way different than being in a Lutheran church. And so, you know, people pace back and forth and scream and yell in tongues. And it was just like, you know, I'm, I'm down with the with the yelling in tongues, but wait till someone tells you to do it. Because in the Lutheran church, you stand when you're told to stand, you sit when you're told to sit, you sing what you're told to sing, and you pray what you're told to pray. And so it was just like, this is complete chaos in the prayer room. Everyone's doing their own thing. They're all saying their own words. They're all, you know, it was just complete, in my mind, chaos, but I remember this one night, I was like, okay, I'm two months in, it's not getting any better, and so I'm determined in and of myself, I am going to be an IHOpper. it's gonna happen, tonight's the night, I'm gonna make it happen, so I go into this <laughs> prayer meeting <laughs> with with an agenda, and I wanted people to know that I had crossed over, and I was now one of them, and so I stand in the front row, the worship starts. And there was this like culture that the music starts a little bit, that's when you start pacing. When the, when the energy picks up a little bit, you start just the light rumbling, oh, I tie my bow tie, I should have bought a Honda. Like, you know. <laughs>
1: she, it's like, she, she came wrote, in a Honda, left it in a Mazda. Mazda broke down, she right, bought a Honda. <laughs> <don't>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's no science to it, you make it happen. Um, and so I'm, I'm pacing back and forth, saying my tongues and all of those things, but the whole time I'm like kind of looking out of the corner of my eye, like making sure people notice that I'm not one of them. And so, you know, as the the music climaxes and I'm just going, shakha, little shakha, little shakha, I mean, I was, I had arrived. It was like my night. It was my moment. And all of a sudden I feel out of nowhere, just like someone punched me as hard as they could in my gut, and I, I was hunched over, like bent over at the waist, and I didn't know what had happened to me, so I was going, <laughs> and then I get the punch, and I go, and I, and I hunched over in the middle of this room, in front of the whole crowd, and there was this sweet little leader of the, of the internship. She gets on the microphone, she goes, someone, someone in the room is feeling a fire in your stomach. And if that's you, we just want to pray for you. And I'm like, obviously, it's me. Please get over here and pray for me. I need you now. <laughs> and so I get about 20 of my intern friends around me. They all lay their hands on me. And as soon as they, uh, they start laying their hands on me, this energy, this punch, this fire that I felt in my stomach started shooting through my entire body like electricity. And I just, I start screaming. I fall down on my face. I'm going, God, what are you doing? Like, what's happening to me? And all of my friends are going, take him up, take him up, take him up. And I'm like, take me where? Like, what on earth does that mean? (laughs) And so, I mean, I'm terrified. And as they're screaming, it was like, slowly, for about 10, 15 seconds, the noise in the room slowly faded out, and I felt this hand come down on my back and it grabbed my shirt and it pulled me out of the room and and, you know and this is as real as i see you right now as real as everything around me i am no longer in this basement in small town and small suburbs of kansas city like i am standing on this stone ledge my toes are hanging off this ledge and behind me I have the warmest, brightest, clearest, most terrifying light that I had ever seen or felt before, and there was like a sound coming from it, and I knew that God the Father was standing right behind me, and I knew he was beautiful, but he was so terrifying at the same time, I wanted to turn around and look at him, but I knew that if I did, I would have passed him, because I just couldn't handle it. It was like one of those Moses in the cleft of the rock moment where it goes, I'm not going to let you see my face, but I'll show you, I'll show you my backside. so it was just like, I had my back to him and I knew he was standing right behind me. In front of me, I had heaven's perspective on all of creation. I knew that I could see every planet, every star, the entirety of the galaxies. I, I, I remember just billions and billions of stars and you look online at some of those pictures from the, the, the Hubble telescope, just the colors and uh, the way the stars move. It was just, there was so much movement in creation. And I remember going, this is so stunning. And I had the ability to see everything individually up close, but I could also see the vast picture all at the same time, just billions, hundreds of billions of stars. And it was so beautiful but I'm, I was just standing there, my toes hanging off this edge. I have God behind me. If I move backwards, I die. I have the vast universe in front of me. If I jump off this ledge, I die. I'm stuck. So I'm standing here between God and creation, trembling on this stone wall, just shaking to my core, going, God, what? why am I here? Why are you showing me this? Started just spouting off all these questions like, why is this so scary? I didn't ask for this. Why are you doing this to me? Shh. Like, I'm Lutheran. This doesn't happen to Lutherans. It's like, you know, what is going on? And, and I just start probably for 10, 15 minutes just asking all these questions. Why? Why? How? How? I don't get it. I don't get it. My mind is just blown. But I'm fascinated by what's in front of me, terrified and in love at the same time with who is behind me. And... I just don't know what to do, and so I just start asking all these questions. And finally, the Lord spoke. And when He spoke, Psalm 29 says, "The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness; it shatters cedar trees. The God of glory thunders." When He spoke to me, it was like I was in the very middle of the loudest thunderstorm that I've ever felt or seen before. You never—if you've ever been woken up in the middle of the night by just a loud clap of thunder and your adrenaline is pumping—and it was. Awe-inspiring, but terrifying. And he spoke, and he said this to me. He goes, "When you pray, when you worship, when you intercede, when you do these things in my name, you have authority to shift these things in the heavens."
1: Wow. And he said it.
0: He said it one more time. He goes, "When you pray, when you worship, when you intercede, when you do these things in my name, you have authority to shift these things in the heavens." As I'm watching creation move and shift in front wow. of me. Wow. And all I could think to say was just, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, okay, yes, yes. I didn't even understand it. But um. so I I just, those words was like the thunder coming from within me and coming at me from every direction just echoed around me and through me for probably another 30 minutes it felt like. And um, I remember just standing there shaking, just agreeing, yes, Lord, I. yes, yes, okay, yes, Lord. And I remember blinking in the moment and I wake back up on the floor in this tiny little basement and my Bible is open in front of me. I don't know who put it there or why it was open specifically to this page or what, but I, the first thing I read when I come out of this encounter is Psalm chapter eight um, verse uh, three. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, The moon and the stars which you've ordained. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is exactly what I just like. The moon and the stars, the heavens, everything that you've created. Like, And I just imagine now, like, going, studying this a little bit more, David on a hillside in the middle of the night, looking up at the stars at night, going, God, everything that you've made is so stunning. Why would you... Want to be with me? <laughs> Everything else is so much more beautiful. Why would you pick me? Why would you want to be with me? And um, and I was just like, okay, wow, like this is just incredible. I, I come out of this encounter, and that's the first thing that I see in my Bible, and uh, it launched me into this this study of Psalm chapter eight, and um, really our identity, my identity, but the identity of humanity, like who we are and what we're called to be and what we're called to do alongside him, not just in servanthood to him, but alongside him. We actually get to rule and reign with him. In Revelation 3, Jesus says that we actually get to sit on his throne with him. Like, that is outrageous. Um, And I just, I remember, so kind of moving forward in my life, when
1: my my twin boys were. Now, now let me ask you a question now Just curious on that encounter. So you're there for like two months. You're kind of like going through the hamster wheel. You don't really want to be there, but now you're determined. The moment you kind of like go all in and surrender, you have this encounter, changes the game. How did this affect you now after like point, like two months into the internship? How did this affect now your worship or how did this affect your, the rest of your internship, because something must've changed after that, right? Now you ended up being there for 10 years. It went from six months to 10 whole years and albums being produced and all that kind of stuff. So just quickly before you jump to the, I just want to, I want to ask the question, like what, what shifted right away after that encounter?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so this was the first of three, I had three encounters. Like it would take a whole day to get into all of them. Maybe we'll do another one of these later, but, um, but this was the first of three encounters that I had just like that in a month. And so as soon as I could finally like come to terms with what had happened to me, I felt like I got another one. (laughs) And it was just this cycle three times in a row. It was every, there were 12 days separating each of them. And, um, it was for sure life transforming. Like, and I didn't fully understand it all when it happened to me, and I'm still unfolding a lot of this, a lot of the revelations, and I probably will be for the rest of my life. But in terms of what I knew I was capable of in the place of prayer after that moment, the prayer room changed completely for me. Just like, oh, this really counts. This really works. And because I lift up my voice when I don't feel like it or I don't feel you on me or I don't feel, you know, you know when i'm going through a rough day or whatever this really works and i'm seeing things shift on the other side of the planet because i'm praying here in kansas city and i just it like awakened this whole new dimension or this whole new reality to me of you know this is how god operates his kingdom
1: god well and and really and really like it you know kind of fits in with our topic which is reviving prayer and worship but then the connection of the two but then our subject focus really is how that strengthens our relationship with God. I'm sure like in that moment, like it was always in you, but now this new revival of sorts happened in you with the culmination or the connection between prayer and worship. And ultimately that I'm assuming changed the face of your relationship with God. It strengthened it. It shifted it radically. It must have, right? For sure. For sure. And I think, you know,
0: as, as I go into the rest of Psalm 8 and just, this and uh, the rest of kind of how I come take, uh, came to terms with understanding it, um, it yeah, it's to- it totally transformed everything about my identity, about who I who I believed I was, who I believed God is, and all of like you know when you have those types of encounters, which I believe, just for the record, I don't think those types of encounters are reserved for the stage prophet of the day. Like this is part of our inheritance as believers. Like we have access to an eternal God and an eternal throne and his eternal heart by the blood of Jesus. This is, you know, it's Ephesians one when he says the the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe if we believe in Jesus, there is exceeding greatness of God's power. The one who created the heavens and the earth who created all those stars, he hangs the earth on nothing, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain. He, his power, it says his exceeding greatness of his power is towards us if we believe so these types of encounters these revelation four encounters ezekiel one encounters like that's available to us and when we when we get encountered like that when we come face to face with our creator it changes everything about everything about everything and uh yeah so it's i I just for those of you who are watching and listening right now like go after that ask god because i didn't ask for it i was 18 years old i didn't even know how to ask for it but it happened to me and I think God God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if we ask, if we diligently seek those types of encounters, he's gonna give them to you. And not that it even has to be a third heaven's encounter, it's just those moments in your prayer closet where you cry at the word that you've read a thousand times before in a new, fresh way. That is a radical encounter with God and it's marking your heart. And so, um, yeah, so.
1: it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, continue to dive into Saw Mate. Like, let's let's like yeah. break this down a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, Just
0: from a personal perspective, I remember when my when my boys were born, my twin boys. Uh, they are almost nine now, and they're completely fine. But they were born very early. They were premature. Um, um uh, she went into labor at 24 weeks gestation, which is obviously very um, very early compared to the full term 40. Um, they were able to stop the labor, but she, um, had to stay in the hospital. We lived in the hospital for another six weeks until she went back into labor. The boys were born at 30 weeks gestationally. They were both just barely over three pounds when they were born. Um, and I remember being in the hospital, um, and just going, God, this isn't the way it was supposed to be. Like we had this perfect plan for our lives and this isn't the way it was supposed to go. And I remember, you know, so they were born and you have this romanticized vision of what holding your newborn is gonna be like for the first time and, you know, the bonding moments and all of that. But when they were born, they immediately went on ventilators because they weren't breathing. I watched my son Isaac come out and his body was completely blue because he hadn't been breathing and there was no oxygen. And it's um, same with my son Caden. And instead of getting to hold my kids, they rushed them to the NICU and I didn't get to see them for hours. And even then when I did get to see them, I didn't get to touch them or hold them. And so it was just, I remember going, I was just angry at God. I was like, this isn't the way that should have been. And I remember for the, like the first time I walked into the NICU, I had to scrub my hands, and my arms for 15 minutes. I walked in, I see my son Isaac and my, on one side of the room, my other son, Caden. on the other side, they're, you know, the oxygen mask, the feeding tubes, the, all of the wires and the hookups and everything to monitor all this stuff. And I remember thinking in the moment, like Psalm eight is a farce. Like this is, how can this be true? I, I remember going, you know, so verse one is amazing. Like majestic is your name. You've set your glory above the heavens. We can all agree with that. But then in verse two it says out of the mouths of babes and infants, you ordained strength to silence. The, like I said, God, how can this be true? Like, look at my kids. If, they, if it weren't for this modern technology, they'd be dead. Like, and I'm looking at my son Isaac just crying in sadness because he doesn't deserve to go through this. I didn't deserve to go through this. And I'm looking at God going, how can this possibly be true? And the Lord spoke to me so tenderly in the midst of my offense and all of that in the moment. The Lord spoke to me and he goes, he called me by my name. I remember he just goes, Matthew don't you understand? It was never about what you can do on your own. Cause I remember going, God, they can't breathe on their own. They can't eat on their own. They can't maintain their body temperature on their own. They can't do anything on their own. And the Lord spoke to me. He goes, Matthew, don't you understand? It's not about what you can do on your own because it's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. And this all of Psalm eight just opened up to me in that moment, um, wow. that vulnerable moment. And I, You know, I go through the rest of it and David's looking up at the sky and I'm thinking of myself in that encounter going, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you ordained, who am I? Like puny little me, I'm nobody, (laughs) yet you set your eyes on me. And And David answers his own question in verse five through the rest of the passage you've made me a little lower than Elohim, which means God himself. You've made me a little lower than yourself and you've crowned me with glory and honor. And you've given me, this is crazy. You've given me dominion over the works of your hands. And I remember just going, Oh my gosh, this is so, it's, it it changes everything because once we realize who we are, this is our identity. Like, God created us not so that we could be his servants. God does not need us to do something that he couldn't do for himself. He created us out of a place of desire. He created us because he wanted us, not so that we could do things for him, but so that we could partner with him. Because it's in the place of our weakness, when we lift up a weak voice, when you know, we're singing out of tune or we're playing our, you know, the riff out of key or whatever. It doesn't matter because we're doing it. And when you just do it, whether you feel like it or not, in, in your weakness and in your frailty, whatever, like I'm super weak and I'm super broken and I'm super frail. But I've, I've learned that when I come to the Lord in that same place of weakness, brokenness and frailty, that he always fills the gap on the other side. <laughs> he will always come in and you know meet us in our shortcomings. And so I love, I just love this uh, just driving force of identity in Psalm chapter. You've made me a little lower than yourself, which is already crazy. You've crowned me with glory and honor and you've given me dominion you've given me power and you've given me authority over everything that you've made and I always go back to this encounter where he goes when you pray and worship and intercede when you do these things in my name you have authority to shift these things in the heavens we have power to shift galaxies (laughs) we have power when we sing and when we pray to move stars to move solar systems how much more over our little town, or our church, or our friends, or our family, or whatever, like, we have so much power when we pray. And if we, if the church, if we as the body of Christ would actually come to terms and realize who we are and who we were made to be, I guarantee the world, the world would look so much different. Because (laughs) very little of the body of Christ is operating in the fullness of what they're called to be. And, you know, and I just think of even uh, Revelation chapter five or, uh, chapter four, when John has this encounter, he gets taken up into the throne room. It's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Um, because it, there's not a whole lot of passages in scripture that we get the inside scoop on what's happening around the throne. (laughs) And so I love this. It's so vivid. It's so beautiful and detailed. And, um, Isaiah saw this in Isaiah six, but it was missing one element in Isaiah six. And I'm trying to figure out like theologically if this lines up, but like there were no 24 elders in the Isaiah six encounter, but the 24 elders show up after the cross, after Jesus, the slain lamb takes the stage in revelation chapter five, God surrounds his throne with men. He surrounds his throne with people who are also on thrones and given crowns. And so it's, it's not even that God just wants to, sh- I mean, God wants to show off. And I think we're going to bask in his glory and be amazed at his majesty for all of eternity. But it's not just about that. I mean, I can't wait to do that, but it's about partnering with him and how he governs creation and how he rules over everything that he's made in partnership with us. Like <laughs> it just, it, it just totally obliterates Everything else about God is God and we're tiny, tiny, tiny little, you know, peons of people that don't matter. We matter. God created you because you matter. God created you because there was a certain design that he placed in you. You bear his image and you actually get to partner with him, sit on his throne with him and govern creation with him forever. I believe that intercession is the way God chooses to run his kingdom for all of eternity. And it's in partnership with the prayers and the communication of his people
1: so It's amazing wow man wow so you you like you have this encounter you know two months into the internship and then this continued to it continues to unfold all the way to you know into your marriage into your twins being born and and obviously your twins are healthy now nine years have passed since that time when they were born and three months you know uh or three uh three months premature i think you said and um you know, everything's good now, but that, that revelation has had to unravel over the years. And I'm assuming coming out of IHOP and then continuing to see this and living this out, like, you know, obviously you carry a, a, a revelation and an understanding of the value of how prayer and worship go together. And you you said in your encounter, it was, it was prayer. If my people pray and they worship and they intercede, then they will have the authority. So just talk about how would you define... For those that are listening, intercession different from just prayer, and and just talk about the the, how they all connect and how that works. And and, because I mean, you, you, this is really the revelation of the whole vision of IHOP, really in and of itself. You lived in that space for ten years, so talk about that. Totally,
0: yeah. That's something I actually wrestled with for a long time because I didn't fully understand. Like, it's interesting that he differentiated between prayer. And intercession. Obviously, worship is different. Or at least, you know, maybe it's different. But like prayer and intercession, because I'm like, isn't intercession prayer, and isn't prayer intercession? Well, I think intercession for sure is prayer, but I don't think all prayer is intercession. And I think prayer, to me, it's more of a general term. One, uh, there's a book that changed my life aside from the Bible, um, "Practicing the Presence of God" by Brother Lawrence. I don't know Love if you've that read book. it. Oh. I read it once. I don't like to read. Washing the dishes, um, glowing. <laughs> I remember the first time I read that book, I just wept and wept and wept because he would scrub the floors. He would wash pots and pans for pretty much his whole life. And they said at the end of the day, when he would come to dinner, his face would be shining with the glory of God because what he had done was turned his thought life into a prayer life. And those seemingly insignificant thoughts that we just kind of have throughout the day that we just kind of brush aside, God wants into those places, you know, those moments that we feel are insignificant that he would probably want nothing to do with brother Lawrence turned his thoughts, his little tiny insignificant thoughts into a prayer. Like, Oh shoot, God, I forgot to walk the dog today. Oh, I missed a spot on this pot, pot like on this, you know, on the floor or whatever. Like he turned those little, those little moments into a prayer and acknowledged God and everything that
1: he did. And that's key. That, that's really key because I think, I think what I believe is, you know, when Paul said, I pray without ceasing, it didn't mean that he was in a prayer closet, yeah. you know, uh, by himself hidden away for 24 hours a day. Cause that's a very, it's a very, it's a very, um, very sharp way of saying I'm always in prayer. But yeah. one of the ways that we're always in prayer is like you said, is inviting God into the everyday moments. So you don't have to be. Yes, there's times when you're gonna you're gonna pray by yourself, and you're gonna have like communication time. You're gonna listen because even prayer is also listening. Prayer is is the full communication between us and God. But then there's also the element of I'm including God into my everyday because He's with me 24 hours. So, Brother Lawrence did this. He practiced the presence of God. By simply being aware that God is in my everything. He's in my, with me doing the dishes. And that's not even weird or kooky. It's just a revelation that I don't ever have to pray. I mean, it's God Emmanuel. God is with us. The God who is with us. He's with us all the time. Whether you believe it or not, he's with you. So why not include him into, by just simply acknowledging him. Because that's really what worship is. Really, worship is acknowledging that God is worth acknowledging in whatever circumstance, situation, or challenge, or whatever situation li- I'm living in right now, I'm acknowledging God. That's what worship is, really, and that's also what prayer is, in a sense. It's 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 continual connection, and so I love yes. it because that's what we're talking about: revive prayer and worship, and how that plays into strengthening our relationship with God. So, just continue on and just to define what your version of of, of prayer versus intercession. And then maybe just dive in a little bit to Revelation 5 and harp and bowl and talk about the value of both. Yeah, totally.
0: I think prayer in general, in a general sense, is just the constant awareness of who God is and that he's with you and in you. And I think just reminding yourself, and it takes, you know, when he calls it practicing the presence of God, because it's a discipline that you have to cultivate over time. It's not something that you just like, okay, I'm going to do it today. And now my life has changed from this moment forward. But it's like changing your perspective on your relationship with God from this moment. Okay, I'm going to try to constantly remind myself that you're with me, that you're listening, that your eyes are on me, that you want to be here with me. And I'm going to acknowledge you in all of those tiny, tiny, little insignificant moments. And I just challenge all of you out there watching and listening to this right now, acknowledge God in everything that you do in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Like that's a real, it's a real thing. And um, it's, I don't do it perfectly. I wish I did it way more than I do it, but I'm striving for that. I want to acknowledge God in everything that I think, in a in a very general sense, that is prayer. It's just being attentive, because prayer is a two way communication. It's not just listing off our, our stuff that we want, that we need, you know, whatever. Prayer is a two way conversation, um, and so yeah, I think that's prayer. Worship, to me, is a, is a mixture of two things: is beholding. Firstly, beholding. Secondly, responding. I look at Revelation chapter four. Again, I I spend almost every time I open my Bible, I somehow end up in Revelation 4 and 5. Um, But I look at the four living creatures, um, weird looking dudes around the throne, six wings, a face of a man, a cow, an eagle, and a lion. And they're covered with eyes all around and within. They all have six wings, eyes on the front and the back. They literally cannot turn away. They cannot look away. From God. And I love this description that John sees. It says he's like a jasper, like a diamond. He's like a sardius, like a fire. Hebrews 10 says God is an all-consuming fire. There's lightnings and thunderings and voices that proceed from his being. There's uncontainable power. There's a sea of glass mingled with fire that just reflects all the glory. There's seven lamps of fire burning, the seven spirits of God. And it says these seven, or these four living creatures, the seraphim, are gathered all around the throne and even in the midst of the throne it says and they do nothing their full-time occupation is to behold and to respond as they behold they take in i I love in matthew um in the sermon on the mount jesus says the lamp of the body is the eye if your eye is good then your body is filled with light if your eye is bad your body is filled with darkness here are these four seraphim covered with eyes doing nothing from the moment that they were created except to look at unapproachable light. What is happening on the inside of them? What's happening in their inner spirit, man? Um, Well, it it gives us a little glimpse into that. So they're beholding him. I feel like God just unveils one characteristic of who he is and they behold it. And their only response, the only thing that comes into their minds to say, It's holy, holy, holy. The original text says holy nine times in a row rather than the typical three that we read in our Bible. Holy, 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 holy. Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This never ends. He never ends. In a billion years from now, they will not have scratched the surface of who God is because the revelation of who he is, the fascination about who he is is inexhaustible. He never ends. We will never fully know him. In a hundred billion years from now, we're going to be standing in there just as amazed as we would be on day one. And so their their occupation is worship—to behold Him and to respond to Him. The the beholding is with their eyes; the response is with their song. And I believe I believe that's that's what worship is. And the same thing with the 24 elders. It says, and I love this because it says, um, whenever the living creatures sing their song in verse nine, it creates a response in the hearts of the 24 elders. You ever get those moments in a worship set where you're watching somebody else worship and it just provokes you to go there too. I feel like the 24 elders are kind of like, look at him, look at them, look at him, look at that. Like they're looking at these living creatures, giving their response to the beauty of God. And it says it creates a response in their hearts. And they sing their own song at IHOP. We call this a double chorus. Like we sing one chorus and then there's another chorus on top of that. And they kind of fit together. But they sing their song saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. Why? Because you created us. You created everything. And it's by your will and it's for your pleasure that we exist and we're created. This goes back to my point I made before. God did not create us because he needed us. God created us because there was something about us that was pleasing to him in his heart before the foundation of the earth. He created us because he wanted us. He wanted us, he desired us, and he wants us to be close to him. I love that God surrounds himself with people around the throne. He doesn't have to do that. He could have had it any way he wanted to. He had a blank canvas to begin with, and he painted it this way. He surrounds himself with worship he surrounds himself with men he surrounds himself with people who actually get to govern and operate in authority with him from the place of intercession and, and, and worship um and just going into the tying in of the of the of the prayer and worship revelation 5 uh chapter 5 verse 8 it says um when the lamb had taken the scroll that jesus shows up on the scene in revelation chapter 5 he walks you know there's this whole drama you know, John is there in the throne room. The scene is set in Revelation 4. And then this angel shows up in Revelation 5. Goes, Who is worthy to take the scroll out of the Father's hand? And they certainly, you know, I believe the scroll is representative of God's redemptive plan for creation and humanity. And they, they do this dramatic search through all of heaven. There's nobody found. They search the earth. There's nobody found. They search even the depths of the earth in hell the demons, all of the, the, the people who have gone before us and nobody on earth, under the earth or in heaven was found worthy to take the scroll. And I loved it. And John says, I wept. And I, I just wonder what John was feeling in that moment because John was Jesus' best friend. He was the one who laid on Jesus' chest. He knew the story of the gospel. He knew the cross. At this point in his life, he's probably 90 years old, a prisoner on Patmos. Um, and he's going, if there's no one worthy, then what was this all about? And he says, I wept much, I wept bitterly in the presence of this God, because probably one, if there's no one worthy to execute this plan, I'm never going to see this ever again. I'm separated from this for the rest of eternity. And woe is me, I'm undone, sort of feeling from Isaiah, Isaiah 6. And I love this. It says one of the elders, uh, or one of the creatures came up to John, oh, it was one of the elders came up to him and said, don't weep anymore. We found a guy. Wow. and so jesus comes on the scene um comes on the scene walks directly through this unapproachable light the lightnings the thunderings the voices the jasper the sardius the sea of glass mingled with fire the seven torches walks straight through it and he goes i can take it because i'm just like my dad i can i can take the scroll because i'm the only one who's perfect like him to execute this with no ego with with perfect humility in in um being subject to my father's will, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it perfectly. So it says in in Revelation 5, verse 8, when the lamb had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Their, Their attention has shifted now from the father to Jesus. They fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And this is where the term harp and bowl worship comes in. It's the marriage, because uh, the, the harp obviously represents the music, the worship side. The bowls are the prayers of the saints. It's where you marry the two, worship and prayer, and you put them together. I'm, I mean, how many of you guys have been in a worship or a, a prayer meeting without music? <laughs> it's hard, and it's like you're beating a rock the whole time. I mean, not to say that the Lord can't show up in those moments, but the vast majority of the time when you have a prayer meeting without music— it's hard and it's unanointed and can be boring and all like it's just hard. But there's a reason that music is the highest form of entertainment in every culture on the planet because it creates an emotional response. Music has so much power over our emotions. I've heard music that makes me angry. I've heard music that makes me happy. I've heard music that makes me cry. I've, you know, there's so much power in a melody. There's so much power in a chord structure that when you actually marry the concept of intercession and prayer, the prayers of the saints, and you put a melody to it, uh, just the, the culmination of that in the human spirit is so powerful. And I love, and, and honestly, it's the only way to sustain 24-7 prayer. IHOP, the House of Prayer in Kansas City, has been going, they started September 19th, 1999, 24-7, no holidays, no breaks. They have a night watch crew. There's probably 300 people who come in at midnight to 6 a.m. to keep the fire burning on the altar. They have not stopped for going on 21 years. And you know, it, 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 it is, it's absolutely wild. The, marrying prayer with worship is the only way to sustain that. So
1: man, you just, you just described that so well. Like, I feel like you brought us into an experience of revelation four and five by just, you know, explaining it the way that you did is so powerful and really helps us see the value. in like, you know, when these bowls are tipped over, it's like, we're seeing the evidence of our prayer and worship. Because that's really what it's about. We we don't just pray to pray. We are believing that even in our day that we're going to see the evidence of our prayers. You know, we know that there's going to be prayers and things that we want to leave and, and, and experience that maybe we won't see. Like in Hebrews 11, when you read about the heroes of the faith and they had a good reputation because they believed and they died believing, not seeing. There are things that we get to see And we thank God for the things that we we get to see. But there are also things that we don't get to see that I believe God's going to reward the next generation with, but it came as a result of our faithfulness, our loyalty to prayer and our worship with God. And really that's what we're talking about and how when they go together, when they combine together, it's like this mixture happens and there's a, there's a result of that mixture and that it's the strength of God. I mean, there's nothing like when you see answered prayer when you see answer prayer in your life, it strengthens your relationship with God. It's like it does something. And that's why it's so important that we see a revival happen of prayer and worship because ultimately those bowls get tipped over back into our lives to strengthen our relationship with God. And so just as we shift here, man, I wonder if you would just pray for us, uh, pray over our kingdom culture community. All those that are watching, if you get a word, just share it with us, pray over us real quick. And then Uh, I know there are people that are going to watch this or are watching right now that landed on this conversation and maybe they're on a journey towards getting to know God. They haven't said yes to Jesus yet. If you could just walk them along a quick journey to to start that journey uh, with him, that would be awesome as we close here.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you have crowned us with glory and honor, that you have made us a little lower than yourself and that you've given us dominion over the works of your hands. God, I thank you for this message of identity and who you've called us to be and how you've called us to operate. And so God, I ask for all of those watching for, uh, for this kingdom culture community, God, I ask that you would take us deeper into this place of divine identity, who you've called us to be and, and the, the authority that we have in the place of prayer. God, as we worship, As we pray, as we go into those moments of intercession, God, that you would remind us what you said, that we actually have authority to shift things in the heavens and things on the earth as we pray and as we worship, as we lift up, even in our weakness, God, we thank you that it's in our weakness that your strength is made perfect, that it's in our frailty that your glory can come and shine through us. Oh God, who who else? There is no other God like you. There's not another God who sees us or hears us or acts on behalf of those who waits for you. But God, we, we say that you are the one true living God. And we thank you that you choose to surround yourself with people who love you, who adore you, who worship you. And God, that you've given us even that dignity to come before your throne and to, to not just worship you, but to govern with you, to rule and reign with you on your throne. And so... God, I just ask that you would remind us. I ask for grace uh, to operate in the practicing the presence of God, to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit, to, to uh, invite you in to those little insignificant moments in our lives, God, because you want to be there. You want into that. And so, Lord, we just ask for grace to, uh, to, to walk in that and to operate in that. And so, Lord, we, we just thank you. We thank you for the gift of worship. I thank you that you uh, draw near to those who draw near to you. And God, even as we, uh, we set our hearts to go deeper from this moment forward, I ask for radical encounter. I ask for encounter in the place of worship. I ask for encounter in corporate gatherings. I ask for encounter in um, our prayer closets by ourselves, God, that you would meet us in ways that we've never met you before. In fact, I just prophesy right now a breaking of the ceiling that we've had over us. God, that, that ceiling that we've agreed with that said, this far and no more. God, I, I believe that there that you're breaking ceilings right now and that you're taking people to new heights and to new levels and to new depths, to new dimensions of your love and your and your goodness and your faithfulness, your majesty. God, I ask for Revelation four and five encounters. I ask for uh, for Isaiah 6 encounters, for Ezekiel 1 encounters, God, that what the, the prophets of old saw, God, that we would actually see in our day and in our time. God, we've heard of your fame and we stand in awe of your deeds. Would you do it again for us today? Lord, we believe that we have access to an eternal God. We have access to an eternal throne by the blood of Jesus. We come boldly before you and we lay hold of our inheritance because our inheritance is you. You are our portion. You are my inheritance and my cup. Surely the lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. God, we love you. We love your presence. We say there's nobody else like you. We bless you in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those who are watching right now who have never met you before. God, I ask for crazy testimonies to come out of this time. God, I ask that the the power of the Holy Spirit would just rest upon them right now. God, that they would have an undeniable encounter. Uh, one of those moments in their lives that would mark them for the rest of eternity. God, even at the sound of my voice right now, I believe some of you, as you're listening to this right now, you've had sicknesses and you've had ailments in your bodies that the Lord is going to testify of his goodness to you, a God that you've never met before. is going to testify of his goodness to you by healing your body right now. I release that healing power by the authority of Jesus right now in Jesus name, in Jesus name. I ask for, for, um, for back pain to be gone, in Jesus' name, I ask for. Uh, I I I I see a picture of someone with some broken fingers. I don't know what you did. Maybe it was a uh, construction accident or something. But you broke, I think, two or three of your fingers on your right hand. Some of one of you is you're being introduced to the power, the healing power of the Holy Spirit right now, and your hand is going to be made whole in Jesus' name as a testimony that God is real. And so, Lord, I just ask for creative miracles all throughout the, the listening realm of this, of this uh, podcast uh, right now, Lord, that you would just release the healing power of God as a testimony of your faithfulness and your goodness. And if you're, if, you want, if you're listening right now, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, I just invite you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I confess that I have fallen short of your glory. And I ask... That you would come, and that you would remove my sin from me, and that you would completely redeem me, restore me, and resurrect these bones. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior, and I surrender my entire life to you right now. And I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the gift of eternal life and for the resurrection power of Jesus we say yes to you. I say yes to you. Just say yes to him right now. Just say yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I surrender my life to you right now. In Jesus name, in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Amen
1: amen thank you so much matt that was that was awesome if you said yes to jesus for the first time i want to encourage you email the info on the screen prayer at kingdomculture.ca we'd love to journey with you walk with you along on this journey and it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life but if you have been tracking with us for this whole conversation, the topic is Revive Prayer and Worship, Strengthening strengthening a Relationship with God. And that's what I hope happened today for you, that you have a stirred up faith if you've been watching with us uh, to, to, to see prayer and worship come stronger at you in this next season as they strengthen your relationship with God. So thank you, Matt Gilman. Appreciate your time. So amazing to have a conversation with you. And to all of our Kingdom Culture community, we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in. Have an amazing, amazing week. Amazing week. Amazing week. Amazing week.
0: Amazing.